Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. I have a feeling this topic will apply to both. So I would love to welcome Nancy Orlin Weber. Hi, Nancy. Oh, Bobby, thank you so much. This is an absolute treasure for me. Thank you. The timing is right on this. I'm in the middle of an intuition class. Um, this is a topic I continue to dive deeper and deeper on. Um, I have my own working theories, so I can't wait to collect a little more data for my N1 study um, on intuition regarding myself. So I'm thrilled to have you here. Oh, I am thrilled because I know it's those of us who are very curious, that's how we learn, both of us. So yeah. I'm eager. Okay. So so behind you, you have the psychic detective, which is when I met you, <clears throat> that seemed to be one of the primary focuses, but I have a feeling you have a lot more gems to share. Um, and before we press record, we already started going different directions from gambling and um, why to be early and you're already creating so much curiosity. So before we dig in, I want you to be able to introduce yourself, um, maybe why why you're sharing your gift and why you wanted to be here today. It took me a long time to recognize that it is a gift. It isn't that it was bad. It simply was who I am. I never thought much. I just did it, whatever it is. And so people would back away. People would come close. And I discovered mostly in nursing when I put on a uniform, even as a student nurse, I was so thrilled that I could make a difference. So I back up and say, when I babysat, I was about 10 years old and the couple would go out and it was on my block in Brooklyn. And so when they'd go out and they'd leave the dishes and all, I'd do the homework with the little kids, they then put them to bed and then I'd do the dishes. I remember doing them and thinking, they'll be so happy they wouldn't have to get up and do it. And it thrilled me to be able to make a difference in somebody's life. So that has been the theme I notice as I look back. Being one of the elders now, quite elder, uh, I can look back over many decades and say, that's what has always pulled me into a far better space inside. Every time I can make a difference anywhere in someone's life and lift them a bit, I'm good to go. <laughs> I and come you, out like one of the minions going, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this because of your intuitive ability and your psychic ability. I think it's also uh, the recognition that it is a natural flow. And what my gift was really was I never argued the point. With the people or yourself? So with myself about it. I just knew it was good to have. I remember being, just moving to another place in Brooklyn, six years old and shy as can be, never spoke. I liked not speaking. And two little boys came over to say hello and they're sitting on the porch with me and I hated it. And a little boy walked past and he had eyeglasses on and they yelled, four eyes. And I, mean, I I could still see what I did. And I was always in shock when things like this happened. Turned around and I looked at them and I said, how dare you? Just because you can see he has some kind of problem in his body. You don't know what you have. You don't know what I have. Get off my porch and apologize. So they said, oh, we're sorry. I said, not to me, to him. They <laughs> so apologized to him. They got off. And I remember me sitting there and going, who am I? How did I say that? Because I didn't have a voice normally. Wow. And that's when I discovered that not everybody does that. My mother asked me, well, where are the boys? I said, I threw them off the porch. They made fun of somebody. Answer. <laughs> but I thought, nothing wrong with that. I liked the feeling. So I always liked that feeling. What I didn't always do was stand up for myself. And I got that later on. I looked at that. But that's just because of other things that happen in life, like many of us, right? 
So was it always wanting to help the underdog or anybody in general? Oh, anybody. Okay. But really, it, it was easier to point out when something was happening that was strong. That, that I noticed. I mean, that is a theme in you walk into a place where a lot of people are and one person sticks out when you tune in and feel something's going on there. Is, is it dangerous? No. Is it sad? Oh, terribly. Okay. But nobody else sticks out that way. Well, they're the first ones I want to help then. It's like triage work, if you will. So is I guess <clears throat> that's that's amazing. And uh like I said, I'm very curious about I struggle with listening to my body or identifying my emotions. And the training, one of the trainings I've been in has been about like listening to my throat and my inner. You know, like say in the sentences, like you said, is it anger? Is it dangerous? Is it whatever? And I still question so much about if I am doing it right, right? So it sounds like you've had a natural flow all along. And that just sounds incredible to me. I'm very blessed. And I know that. I've been that way since I was in a crib. How I do can you... remember my birth. Wow. I know. It's strange. And to me, it's strange. But, uh, and I can because it is documented what happened. So, and I wasn't told. But I had total recall later. So I think that we all have all the information in us about ourselves, if you will. And it's more about, are we going to uncover what has been covered. So this, this came naturally to you. Is there, have you, through your journey, excuse me. Oh, you're Interesting. A little tickle. Um, Have you discovered that people can tune into themselves? um, Oh, lots. And I, I was thinking of you when you were talking about it and saying, Okay, one of the simplest things, learning to distinguish between the different feelings, the levels, the the sifting through them so that it's clearer. I've always journaled everything. I write it all down. I check it all out. I make, I call it the inner detective work where I learn from detectives also, which is why I'm so grateful for that. It is questioning Is it my fear, my imagination, my tuning in, right? So I was a worrier at times over certain things, certainly. And I had been a trauma victim, but I kept questioning and writing down everything. Conversations in my head, I would write them down. And then I would call the person very tentatively and very nicely and say, been thinking about you and oh isn't that funny I was thinking about you too and I'd say yeah but you know there was a funny feeling I had about your right arm was it hurt she said how'd you know it's in a cast oh and that's when I realized we're all wireless and this is back in the 70s 60s that we're always in communication with everything all of life there's beyond the planet well, the earth communicates, the trees communicate, everything does. And I've started looking at science for that and the proof of how trees nurture even stumps and support them. And I realized, oh yeah, we're always with each other. We just don't always know it because we cover it up. So how do we, I think that that's one of the biggest problems of why you know people that struggle with addiction is because they're not doing that uncovering they're using the drugs and the drinking and the gambling and all that things to cover it so mm-hmm. how do we help them i don't know if they if i may you may I think sometimes what we cover is more unconscious stuff because we don't know what's making us miserable okay right 
and somebody who was uh, had burned her body and she was admitted to the acute psych unit in South Bronx where I ran it. And she was cursing mad up and down walking. And I was at my desk, she was a new admission and all of a sudden, and she black skin, gorgeous 60 something year old, burning her body and locked up in her own apartment for 20 years, wouldn't come out. Her daughter and son-in-law would bring her food, cook for her, she would not come out. So there she is, new admission, back and forth. I jump up because I see something. And I go, who's Celia? She goes, you see her? I said, I sure do. Long blonde hair, white skin, in bed with your husband. She goes, yes, he was. She was hallucinating all the time, trying to burn out Celia. Celia and her husband had an affair, and they threw her out of her home. And she just tried to burn her out. And I thought, oh, Obsession is possession, very similar to addiction. We get obsessed over doing something to cover up the feelings we are afraid of, but we don't know what they're from. So the tracing of the roots matter, the habits. And that took me back to in utero experiences, uh, research on in utero, what passes through the placenta, what interferes with the neural tube when it's made in the first trimester, how you're starting out life with maybe some glitches in the nervous system, right? And I put, started putting the pieces together slowly over years and realizing that while some of us know, oh, my childhood was miserable and that's why I drank, or I came from an alcoholic family and, uh, and, mm, I just, I have that predilection. Uh, it's the usage of the tools that we choose at a moment where we don't feel we have courage or confidence to face something. And that leads down that road. Do you think anybody can access that? Why not? I don't know. I, I was just checking in with you. Um, Why I'm not? I think that, you know, we talk tuning in, download, channeling. If we consider that the form is an instrument, the whole form, the entire body is one big instrument. And we may have some strings broken, like on a guitar. We may, you know, we may need retreading. We may need a few other things happening, but we can tune in and download, etc. But it's all about, there's a term called gestalt, meaning the whole, if you will, just gathering the whole of it and knowing that your unconscious, your subconscious has plenty of the seeds planted, plenty of the knowledge, plenty of the experience, plenty of the information stored throughout your nervous system, throughout the cells communicating that you can trust that it's going to give you information if you take it. If you take the information, it's kind of like, what was it, Jimmy Cricket or so? Conscious and, and <laughs> don't do it, yes, do it, don't do it, yes, do oh, it. okay, yeah. So there, there's that different path. And I think everything is a duality. So I could go down into the road of addiction pretty easily if I choose. And just, and I did, uh, I think years ago, um, escape, I, you know, addictions to me are escape routes, however you want to call it. It's escaping, but we don't always know what we're escaping from. And most of the time, what I believe is we're escaping our own real incredible sacred powers, incredible ones, because we don't think we deserve it or we've been told we don't deserve it, or who are you to think you can do anything? Lack of confidence, lack of courage, you know, trained that way in utero, maybe. Maybe they said it not in a way that's supportive. And it goes way back in printing. Did they look at you with total approval when they first started looking at you? And did that change? There's so many factors that go into the early imprints that I never cared if I found all my answers for me. From then, I'm going to assume 
that I had to redo. And I called it in a flash of a vision one night after dancing about three hours. I saw Christ and the goddess, fusion, not fission. And so I imagined and walked around as an infant, imagining that Christ and the goddess held me in their hands and gave me unconditional love. That's my rebirthing, that I knew that I kept walking into lovely relationships. <laughs> first, first chapter, first line to my book in Life of Detective, my, my six foot three and a half husband um, attempted to murder me while I was pregnant. Neurosurgeon, neuro everything, brilliant man. No longer married early on, but uh, yeah, I, I was great at that. <laughs> I had wonderful relationships. Did, <clears throat> I'm sorry that happened to you. You told me that in the, the couple minutes. No, but it just... no, no, because I would never be who I am without somebody just stopping me in my tracks and stopping me from being Miss Goody Two-Shoes who was afraid to say how I really felt about them. Man, did I change. <laughs> okay, I got you. So that's what it took for me. You keep talking about in your utero, the child that you were pregnant with at the time. Did you have that child? I sure did. And she's wonderful. Just, I, I don't know what my question is other than like, I'm really curious of if if you can go back as far as does she have those same kind of experiences like did that impact her like do you mind sharing about that no not at all you see no there's no discomfort about my own history it's what it took to make me me so i knew what trauma would be for her being pregnant and going into false slavery the next day they said she was dead i said no you don't know anything who are you to tell me just because you're doctors? <laughs> you really don't know my kid. So I lived across the street from Portales in Old San Juan, which shows a beautiful ocean, etc. And I would go out there every day, crossover, because I couldn't get off the island. Be that as may, I knew how important it was to sing to her, to talk with her, to read to her, to tell her. I know it's a little scary, but it's not that scary because mama's going to take care of you and no one's ever going to hurt you, baby. You're my baby and you came back because you were my grandma before. And I would tell her that. And I named her after my grandma. So, And she knows it because she tells me that. She's a lot like her. Unconditionally smart, savvy, wise, funny. Uh, does her thing well, does everything well. People love her because she's so good and she's a good leader. She's just a good person and she's psychic and she uses it where she pleases because she's got five cats, five dogs, runs a store in Anna Maria Island, um, takes care of everything. She's dynamite. Her son gave us a reading when he was four. Wow. It was real. It was good. He doesn't remember, but I do. So I believe when I said in utero, there's so much we don't, we're just beginning to, to know it in the Western science approach. But it's always been there for people. You know, how your mother felt when she conceived, what the health of the sperm is, what the health of the mother, how many petrochemicals were passing through the placenta from personal care products, food, everything goes into the first trimester, maps out into the nervous system. All those things add up mother's thoughts, mother's feelings, sleep patterns, dad's, or if he's present at all, or mother, mother, you know, two people, whoever's, the, you know, the birth. So we know that there's so much that goes into not who that baby is, but how that baby may respond to life from the in utero on. So I had a client many years ago. Wow, that's 1977. He's, I knew him and he said, it was September. He said, every September, I just want to kill myself. It scares me. He said, I don't know where it even comes from. And then it kind of dissipates and goes away. I said, hmm. 
uh, mom's around? He said, yeah. I said, do me a favor. He said, what? Ask your mother what happened in September when she was pregnant with you. And now I had not given much thought to any of that yet. So he goes and he asks her and he calls me. He said, the day I start my suicidal ideation is the day my mother went for an abortion. Mm. And then she's on the table and said no and got off. I said, that's imprint. And I thought, well, let's see. Huh. So I called my mother and I said, Mom, did I break open a bone over your cervix? You had a bone there? And I smashed it open and I jumped out. She said, how do you know? I said, I recall it. She said, how do you know it? It's written in a medical text. I said, well, there you go. I remember it. Thank you. And I sat back and said, that's why I'm always early and can't stand being late. Uh -huh. I would actually get freaked out. I'm a minister. I did thousands of weddings and I had the worst sense of direction uh, in my family. Well, no, my family all had Dossie. <laughs> Anyhow, but my husband can find his way out of any place. Right? And I would be calling him, screaming on the phone. There's a detour. How am I going to find my way around? And I knew where it was coming from. So I knew I had to work on the What's wrong with you looking at that and so frightened of what might have happened? Well, my mother was terrified during the whole process because she almost died giving birth to my sister five years before. And she never would have had another kid, but it was to keep her husband from going into the army. Mm. So that energy went into my, oh my God, I can't be late. I can't be late. And I looked at that. Now, if I'm late, it's like, okay, sorry. So how, so that's why you're always early for a podcast and everything. I love it. You got it. <laughs> so how do you, do you have any, do you have, so let's say a person figures this out about themselves. They do the work or they have the aha or they come to someone. You help people with this is the right way right so they come to you and you figure it out what happens then when they're okay. having those fear attacks or those that what happens then i'm pra i'm practical extremely you know that that was a surprise for people who didn't know me when i got into the psychic world and they would all think oh you know you're you even cook <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm a nurse first um, but I was always very practical. Love it. So let's say I'm talking to somebody and I don't assume everybody has the same issues at all. I want to know their soul. Well, if I know the whole of it and I can get a handle on that with them, I can then take it into the levels. So we go through spiritual. Is it for your highest good? Is it for your spiritual path? Let's take a look at that. If it's the emotions are all over the place, I can make easily some suggestions. But it's when I get into the physical plane and tell them, you know, the, the mental is part of the physical. It's the neurology. It's the nervous system. You're electromagnetic. We all are. So if you understand that, whether you know and get into vibrational and frequency or not, doesn't matter. You need to look at certain patterns you have. So let's take one and I can share with you some things on a practical level that you can do easily and you pick the rhythm and choose which parts of this wish list I'm about to share with you are comfortable for you to start with, if any. So the point is when I talk, I never take control away from the person, cannot. Because the moment I try and tell them what they should do, it, it's gone. It's, so I never want that happening to me. I never let it. Everybody who tries to even try that with me, it's, <laughs> you're done. I don't hear it. And so everyone has a tail. For me, 
It's like when I did weddings, we tailor made them personalized. Everything was personalized. So for each individual, how do you know, you can't lump everybody into the same thing. Biologically, we have fundamental things. So people who have indigestion and can't sleep at night or, or have difficulty getting into a deep sleep, first I explain to them the pathway, as simple as it can be. From take a look, let's look at it. If we're on Zoom, I go to online parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, show it to them and say, okay, so pretend you're so upset. You're eating lunch with a girlfriend and something had just happened and you're chewing away and you're angry. And she's like, well, what you did was like two trains. They can't go in the same path. So the train that's supposed to go down to the adrenals and say, the brain just told me that food's here. Oh, I'll go tell the pancreas and pancreas will start manufacturing the enzymes so the food can be broken down in the stomach. But when you're upset, the wrong train goes down because it goes, oh my God, by your flight, back to the adrenals. Switch off the other because you can't work the same track. And now you're producing adrenaline, it's going into your muscles and you're still angry, you're still upset, and then you can't sleep at night. Right? And you wake up cranky and tired and you don't know what you're going to do. And I'm so fatigued from everything, can't stand the potential cancer, whatever it is. And so you keep going. And what happens is you wear out the adrenals because it's fight and flight. In science, we know that in 15 minutes, if you have not burned off the adrenals by either dancing, running, fighting, fleeing, anything that is burning it out of the muscles, muscles, clang, clang, alarm goes back on. Oh my God, we have a poison in the body because adrenaline's a poison. I learned that when I worked preemie nursery when I was 20, I had to wear a full body brace. Doesn't matter. Um, and I couldn't lift anything but babies. So I worked preemie. And if their heart stopped, we didn't give them adrenaline. We gave them caffeine. Because adrenaline would kill them. There was no dose that was small enough at that time. This is way back. I don't know what they give them now. Mm, I do know, but I don't remember. My granddaughter's a nurse. So, and she works preemie. I don't know. But I'm saying to you, that's what, you know, the pandemic can produce focus on how to get through or all over the place, fear. And that fear is diffuse. And when you have fear, you have shut down part of the process in your brain, literally. You are not allowing the information on what's possible to cross over from right hemisphere to left. And you're back in that same cycle, fight and flight. So there, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what makes it so people can't hear their own intuition or that's what makes people... Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When I work with detectives I didn't know or federal agencies, funny stuff, right? I always start off with them. You do not know me and you have no clue who this is and what I do. You just got referred or was told you had to work with me or whatever. Here we go. I'm a part that might get a little piece of a puzzle that may fit into the other pieces. Don't know. I have no idea. So here's, we're going to play with it. I don't want you to tell me anything. I just want to tell you whatever I get. You put it anywhere you want. You can say confirm, deny, whatever. It's up to you. But think of me as a team member who can just point out sometimes clues. How's that? And then we go play. And I warn them that I will look like an ice queen. Because if I have one iota of emotion about the situation, I'll be in the wrong space. I need complete clarity. And the other part of it, for anybody who's curious about, can they do something? Pick anything tough. I don't care what it is. If you love intuition, if you like psychic work or, or paranormal or metaphysics, and I don't care what, pick the toughest thing first. Doesn't matter. Don't look to fail or succeed. Just do it. Just run with it and see what happens. Then go back and do everything you're trying to do. Easy. 
once you stretch like this into hard stuff, the rest is a mini vacation. You're so like saucy. I love it. Um, I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's, I don't know. I want some of that. <laughs> easy. Absolutely easy. We can play. Keep saying easy. Um, it is. If you think of it as, if you hold a vision or thought or feeling that's not the happiest or, or, or not happy, I'm not happy all the time. I love life. I just love life. So I don't have to be up there all the time. I can be, how, how do I deal with you? <laughs> I'm saying out loud about my husband right that moment. <laughs> I'm going, okay, I have to be nice to him. It's hard. <laughs> so I, but I still love that. I love that. That's life. That's a moment. I don't care. So it's really total acceptance. However, what I did learn that really moved it faster in all ways. The, the thoughts that keep going, because they're just a machine inside, they're not me, they're just the machine. And so I realized, how do I stop one that keeps popping up, like an unresolved or, or uh, something that kind of makes me feel awful about, uh, I, I didn't do the right thing on something. I don't care what it is. I have to find something that will grab my thought, feeling, vision, my concept that is so incredible, so potent, so I just want to fill myself with it, that kind of thing, that the other suddenly is very unimportant. When you first said, oh, I'm so sorry what happened, and I answered you about my first husband, that's what I'm talking about. I went, and it, it's something, William Shatner's got a new book, his memoirs, and he tells everything, brilliant man, oh my God. He sees all the connections, planetary, you know, really, nature, I love it. And so it was like, my husband said, oh, he's, he's mouthing your words. I said, well, I'm not alone. There's <laughs> a whole bunch of us who get that, right? So I can remember knowing what can I do about it Almost immediately afterwards, I go mute. I didn't speak to him, but inside it was, huh. this reminds me of how all the cliques in school were and how I was outside of every clique. I was, I, I was invisible. And I said to myself, I'm going deeper than all of them. Let's see what happens when I get older. And so when I looked at what happened with him, I went, there will come a time when I will tell the world all about Dr. Gilbert Arnold Preston and what he did. And man, he will rue the day. However, I won't have to cheat, lie, steal, be dishonest. I can just unconditionally say, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that, dear. I loved you and you broke that trust and you broke all that, but you didn't break my innocence, and I know how to rebuild my own trust of me. So, thank you. There will come a time we will be hysterically laughing. And there was, for me, when he had to write a letter that he was terrified to come into any state I lived in, because I had a badge, and I worked with the police. Karma. Don't mess with a woman. <laughs> that should be a bumper sticker karma don't mess with a woman um so we talked earlier and i'd like to revisit this too about the negativity i like what you just shared and basically what i heard and this is my transition is that like we can hang on to the negativity but then we're living there versus like we release it then anything else is kind of better um, we take its power away, I think is what. That's wonderful what you just said. That's it. We take its power away. It's still fact. I mean, things happen, happen. And I've still made all the mistakes I made. I still did all the errors I did. I never left men 
nicely. I did not leave nicely. I would leave telling them exactly what I thought, which wasn't always nice. And I'm not thrilled at that with me. I see a Hallmark movie and I go, well, how'd she say goodbye so nicely? It was such a strange thing for me. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, uh, that was my working through, right? How, how to not be left because I was exiled by family and that, 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 that. But when I work it through, it's what you said. The power of holding it differently is what it's all about. I can appreciate that. And I get that with some things. And I guess for me personally, part of my frustration is I got through all the, I don't know, the prior things we'll call them and turned the lens around to, okay, for me, it all shifted with purpose. Okay. Let me start with that. Once I've decided that I have this very clear vision of three, two, one and the recovery playgrounds and how it's supposed to work and like having a job making money is very easy. Anybody can really do it if they want to do it. I didn't reproduce. So I have no people to like give, like, even if I made money, like it really makes me nuts when parents like make the money and they won't spend it so that they can leave it for an inheritance. Like what the hell's the point of that? Um, right. So I continue to, the, the purpose is the bigger thing. And as I started working on that and going through the backwards, all of that was like, okay, those were all lessons to help me with my purpose. And I could shift the pain into gratitude. And I did that in 2020. It felt amazing. So now I know that that's the way it can be. Fast forward 2020 and 21 the same level of, of tragedy and bad and just all this stuff that happened. And I knew the secret was to get in gratitude, but I couldn't figure out how to get there. It was almost like I wanted to hang out there. So I think what I'm asking is even when you know, like, what is, how do you take the power away? Is that a fair question or is it different? So I'll give you, oh, I think it's different for all of us, except there may be something here that might be useful. I don't know. Um, I was born with a congenital deformity. That is a short story. I can be paralyzed. I wore body breaks 11 years, et cetera. I have a similar condition to what dwarfs have uh, when they have it. It's more common in them, rare in normal size adults. And then the two injuries, the massive injuries to my spine. So I knew I couldn't. I got to a point a couple of years ago where I could walk maybe 30, 40 feet. I can't stand, I couldn't stand still. I didn't know what I would do. And winter was coming. And normally we're down in Florida. And when it's warm, I can move better. I can go places. And up until then, I had total dancing and did everything. But it's hit harder now. So pandemic happens, I get COVID, I stay home, I know what to do for myself. Nurses don't always like going anywhere to get help. And I've self-helped myself my whole life. So I'm sitting there saying, I need to stay home in the winter and I know I can really go into major funk because I've always been in the South in the winter to see my daughter and her family and hang out with them and we have a ball. We're we're giggly. We can sit on a couch all day and just laugh. So we're hysterically nutty. Anyhow, I thought, this is ridiculous. I know I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for everything. And I do. I, I am blessed, beyond blessed. I know that. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? I can't do anything for me that can get me through it. Hmm. I know. Winter, it's cold. What would make me feel better about getting through? So I picked up the phone to a friend, Patrick, uh, Ralph Patrick Brown. He's an author. He, he's fabulous. He's Mohawk, full-blooded. Um, and love him. And I, I ordained him in our ministry. It doesn't matter, but we became friends. He and his partner, Catherine, and I. And, and I called him and I said, Patrick, 
I know about the Lakotas because I mentored somebody, a nurse who was training in uh, for psychic work in the Lakotas. They're the poorest in the nation. Do you know anybody there? Can I, if I made like hats and mittens and scarves for children, for adults, whatever, children, I want them to stay safe. Children, they're the next generation. He said, oh yeah. He said, we also have Head Start here. I said, you do? He said, well, sure. We have a lot of the poor here too. I said, inside I'm going, great. I got something I can do. So every day, my husband would say, you have a new delivery? I said, yes. He said, uh, are any of these, what are they? I said, it's wool. He said, wool? I said, yeah, we don't do acrylics. We only give them the best. Uh-uh. And so I made about 75 scarves, hats. I have other people donating mittens and I'm doing the same thing this year because I would sit there and when I was making it, I was thinking of how I believe that every stitch you pour love, just like when you're cooking, you bring love into it, it amplifies it. And then I would start giggling, thinking of the child who would put it on and I would be connected to them. And they're indigenous. They're a lot wiser than we are, I believe. They've been here 26,000 years, according to research. He, Patrick can go back at least 7,000 years in his generations on his own, he knows. And I'm saying, you know what? I learned from them. So I want their generations to get better and better. And I get goosebumps all over me and I get so happy. And so I could sit there in between all the work I do and anything else, and I still crochet and others send me stuff and somebody just dropped off stuff and I'm going, we're running out of room. Okay, so, so it is. Get out of me. I need to get out of pity party. I don't like pity party. I can get into it over what happened in my life, but I better snap right out of it. Because if I don't, I'm not doing anything for my health. And I'm not doing anything for me to get out of bed and be enjoying my day. Right. Love it. Um, so if that helps, it's a reference point at that moment. But it's your reference point. You need to know what it is for you. Nobody can tell you. Right. I understand. Because that's the rhythm between the personal and the universal. And when they're a match, we're fine. When they're not a match, we're not fine. So I always look for more of the universal when I'm feeling too much of the personal. Okay, that's fair. I get it. We we were talking about the negativity from the outside, um, and I imagine it impacts this as well. Um, so do you want to share a little about that, about the choices we make, what we allow in, what that mm. might look like, what the impact is. 12 sure. questions all in one there. <laughs> oh, 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 the whole bunch. <laughs> well, you're a good storyteller, so I don't want to interrupt you when I have ideas. So I'm trying to throw the whole premise out to you. That's fine. Margaret Rudell Flavel was a woman who came from the UK. Little did I know that she was the medium in the book Beyond Witness and that became the movement of the psychic world in the in Europe and here. I had no clue, but she was somebody who recalled and I recalled her being my sister in another life who talked and she was my love and blessing. And uh, that started a journey for me because she said, imagine one day, I think it was her, I attended one workshop with her. Other than that, we, uh, wrote letters to each other. She said, you have a, a golden halo above. And I went, oh, right. All the masters, the art, Moses, Jesus, the disciples, halos, angels, halos, golden light, hmm. high vibration, high frequency, the gold light, the light. So when we even think of different light waves, we're changing our frequency. Oh, so when I was cold, because I had been a sugarholic as an infant, kid, whatever, anemic, I would get shivers. So later on, I learned, I started 
thinking I was embraced by this beautiful red warmth, golden red warmth, and I could feel the difference in temperature. So when I started working with people, nursing taught me to also set aside any issues or concerns I have because that opens the door for being a sponge. Don't be the sponge, just do the work. And that's how I did it with my clients. That's how I do it. I can cry afterwards. I can feel for them. I can carry uh, on lots of other things with them, become their friend and, and, and stay sometimes emotional. But the work itself has to remain clean, devoid of my own concerns about any of it, if I am going to be accurate in my take. And so when I worked with the police, I would simply see the light around me. It's always there. We just have to remember. And so I knew that. And I went, boomerang effect. When the light is vibrating, the right passing through. And I love vision. So I see an orchestra coming in. But the breath and the light make this beautiful orchestra of music and sound, everything. And I got into scent and then I studied chemistry so that I'd know not to use things that are harmful, synthetics, all that stuff. And so everything I did kept my frequency up. And the boomerang effect to me is I can't be a sponge if my, if I come to the anything outside of me, anything, if I come to it with Trusting myself to be me, doing the best I can do and letting go and not no expectation, no preconception, none, zero. I, I have a form with my assistant when people ask, you know, I lost this person 20 years ago. Are they still living with it? She said, Nancy can't guarantee anything. If you still want her to do it, she said she will take a look, but there's no guarantee she'll know anything. Because I am adamant, I am not your eight ball. I will not play a game. I will not pretend I can do something when nothing's happening. Because I'm the only one who knows the, the fact that I truly believe when I'm called to do, I do. When I'm not, I don't. And I have no idea. You know, I just go ahead and see what happens. And if I don't feel it's right, I don't do it no matter what anybody wants. So because it's a calling. And if we trust that, then we have to trust it. We can't just trust it sometimes. That's what keeps the frequency really high. And it makes for a boomerang effect on anything lower. I see. I Isn't see. that fun? It's a belief system. I create my own programs to ensure that I can live with what I do. I mean, come on. I mean, being a psychic detective, I'll send you some of the um, otter emails. Otter. Sorry, <laughs> wrong. I, I hit the delete button. But people will email and just say, well, why aren't you finding that child? After all, you can do it. You have the gift. I would do it if I were you. And I'm thinking, okay, before I go into nutty thoughts, how can I help that person understand any of it? I probably can't but I can give it a shot. And then if they don't understand it, okay, I drop the seed in their lap. See if you can take it or not. Up to you. And let it go. I was going to ask you that if you ran into that a lot with just having the word psychic is very attractive to people in more of a gimmicky way would, would be my impression. And I was can curious be. if you ran into that. So it can be, but most of the time, no. No? Uh, no. Most of the time, it, it's just if they see me on a TV show where I found three missing children. I warn people. I even write it. I have the website. I explain. A 22-minute show. It took nine months to find the children. I gave up eating sometimes. I went to bed with 105 fever sometimes working on a murder case. They have no clue what it takes to do the work, but they expect you to do it because they don't even know the child. They, they just want you to do it. 
because it can't, I'm worried about it. And all I want to do is say to them, please learn how to do it. I made it all up as I went along. Anyhow, it's all made up. That's what you don't understand because I trust that we all have it inside. We just have to bring it out. And when we can bring it out, it's different. It's not, pardon me, but it isn't woo-woo. It's a blend of the wisdom from the infinite source coming in. The approval and acceptance by those who need it to come to the light. Those, not people watching, but the victim, but the murderer ready to give up. How do you find a murderer if you hate them? How do you find a murderer if you'd like to just kill him if you saw him? How do you find a murderer if you just have all kind of negative thinking about him? You can't. But I can if I'm just curious and interested in them as a soul and what makes them tick. I get the whole picture. I get the profile. FBI has said, I'm a good profiler. Profilers tell me I am. But I have never seen the person and didn't have photos. I can profile them. Why? Because I don't make judgment in, at that moment. Yeah, later, nail them. Just put them away, please. Get them <clears> off the streets. Yeah. But now while I'm doing the work with them, then I have to be one connected at a high frequency. That's the negativity. If you lower that frequency, when you're making any connection with any being, you are then the sponge. Got it? I think I do. I think I do. I, in my head, I just translated it into um, almost like a traditional corporate kind of job, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go in, you have to do the tasks. And if you let the gossip in the cubicles next to you or the politics or the things, you're never going to excel or finish the project. That's mm-hmm. Thank the way you. I That's excellent. That's a beautiful. <laughs> well, yes, and yes, and yes. That's exactly what it is. You're a sculptor carving out your own existence. And if you don't do it yourself, others would love to get in there and chip away, whether it's positive or negative. I have people I love who just want to tell me how I should do things. (laughs) And I go, bless you, child, for you have not told the right way. Go back and learn your language. I don't care how old they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Fine. So, and I find that if you care a lot about somebody dearly and you really want to connect with them, you want to be friends with them or with their family or whatever, how we come to it still, we could walk away with pushing ourselves down. And it's the same thing if we notice that we're a little drained after the conversation. That's a tell. Mm. Okay. And for me, when I learned that one, it was a book, Games People Play by Eric Byrne back in the 70s. I love psychology. I read bunches of books. And I thought, oh, right. It's either adult to adult or if you're acting like a child, but you're not a child, and I come back as an adult, I'm okay. But if I get to be childish with you, uh, I've entered in, and that's how that negativity and that's how the pattern goes down. So there are ways that we interact, even with people we're very close to, especially in relationships, that we need to notice not what they're doing so much, although it helps, or I'm just a nitpicker because the moment, the moment somebody I love is being uh, inappropriate, I simply point it out in order for me not to enter into it. But I say it hopefully most of the time, not always, most of the time I say it very nicely so that I am not party to the game of hook and bait because that's what it is, right? They're baiting and you're hooked. And I don't get hooked very often. I, if I get hooked, it's because my husband and I are big teases of each other. And people around us go, <laughs> either they want to back away or they say, you two are hysterical. And we go, we know, this is just how we play. <laughs> That's great. 
Well, Nancy, we're at about time. Is there anything that you want to share that I haven't asked about? I'm sure you, we can go on for days because this is such an interesting topic. And you, like I said, you're a beautiful storyteller. Um, but is there anything that you would say is most important that you'd want to share with all my listeners on both sides? The word hope and the word acceptance of self, three words. So I think the two work very well together. Once you know that you need to accept yourself, you're on the right path. Regardless, shame doesn't work. It doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't grow you. All it does is actually repeat history. Look at the world. I wrote it down the other day. Terrified people do terrible things to themselves or others. So to agree, we are frightened of being who we are and what we find in ourselves. Mm -mm. There are words I have spoken about me um, to people who were in shock when I said it. I said, I love that part of me. I learned that that feisty inappropriate at times person, I love her because this is a part of me that grew. And if I don't love her, it will never change. Mm. It will never, it will stay exactly the same. So I offer hope to everybody and acceptance by surrendering to the part of you and talking to it as if you are its best friend. I talk to the parts of me as if I am its best friend. So I can remember being very upset with a, a, my mother, who we called the queen bee with a big stinger. And uh, I was just livid. And so I had to learn, and I did when I was oh, in my 30s, I would Picture myself standing there and say, okay, Nancy, how old are you there? And I go, 15, who wants to know? <laughs> and I would tell myself, sweetheart, you don't drive my car. You don't drive my life. What you do is show me your fear and that's okay. And I unconditionally adore you. I love you. You did the best you could. So relax about it. However, honey, it's my life now. I'll take care of you. And so I did that with everything from a two-year-old in my mind to any age. I would always ask myself, how old are you now? I'm 11. <laughs> I'm two. Why? What do you want to know now? <laughs> I mean, I went through all of it. And I would do it again again until there's almost nothing left to talk to because they're at peace. Those memories are at peace. So I offer that to everybody and say, talk to the parts of you that are so wounded. Love them. Don't get mad at them. Don't let it become a physical thing in you. Love them. But let them know you drive your life. You drive your car. You're the boss. And it's okay because you're the unconditionally loving parent they need. Thank you, Nancy. That you just gave me a huge epiphany and I'm glad that you shared that. And that was, that was a big point. I, I have an 18 year old niece and ironically, I can do what you're saying, love her unconditionally, um, hold space for her to grow and learn from her own stuff and relinquish the control, but try to serve as a guide. Like I figured out how to do that with her. Um, and we're actually working on sharing that with the world. But interestingly enough, I won't do that to myself. No, no, you didn't. I didn't. Ah, you're right, language. My bad. Uh, yes. So I haven't applied that same way. So you just gave me like, you gave me the hope in something easy to digest. Treat myself like I treat Kai. And then I'm good. Yes. It's that easy. So I guess yes. any parent out there that's listening or anybody that loves someone so unconditionally, if you treat yourself like you treat them. Absolutely. Give them the secret. Absolutely. My husband's far from perfect. Ask him, he'll tell you. <laughs> I'm seriously, 
but I treat myself well, despite that. For me, when I see that and I go, but I love him, right? And I think I'm wonderful. So if I don't want to be in his presence right now, I'm fine. It's all about that. It is being the grown-up in the room for yourself, wherever you are. Yeah, I love love being with you, Bobby. You are wonderful. Oh, thank you, Nancy. I want you to brag on yourself a little, though, before we go. So tell them about your book. Is there a second book by you? All Nature Speaks, Conversations with Pets and Wildlife. I have found missing dogs. They have taught me a lot about how to find them. I've taught, found missing cats. Um, I were I communicate with horses, cats, dogs, raised baby, morning dove, others, meditated with them. Um, my four cats raised the morning dove with me and slept on them and they would always protect it. And then all the other morning doves would come and they would eat with them. So it was all good. I love knowing the connection between all of us. And so I hope that All Nature Speaks and the Life of Psychic Detective, they're really about how we interact with the world around us in a way that brings hope and help for others and makes us feel very useful, very productive, and lots of fun. Because if you communicate, yeah, you may know what your cat's talking about, but maybe you don't. I love that. The two seconds for a quick one a condensed version of one of the stories sure. is a Doberman Penser puppy doesn't matter how he went missing it's all in the book but he went missing and the couple who had him were frantic and I told them he'd be back someday by the barn um, over the phone anyhow he was two and a half years later now this is all over the phone we were on the phone then they came in and talked to me uh, help them, and then everything happened the way I said, where it happened, there, yeah. Two and a half years later, I'm giving a talk for the Doberman Pinscher Society, Council or whatever, and there's a whole, there's a packed room, and I'm finishing a couple, that couple stands up in the back and says, would you like to meet the Doberman that you found? I said, sure. And Doberman comes in, gorgeous, big, beauty, stands at the back, Looks around, walks around, walks back, walks around, stops, looks at me. Runs. And at that point, it was easy for me to get on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I get on the floor and he comes right into my lap, puts his head on my shoulder and goes to sleep. And they all looked and said, that's submission to the mother. Wow. Connections, connections. connections. We're all connected. We are always connected. I never met him. I never met many of them that I found. And they and I have met many of them later. They love me. They know me. Oh, you. Oh, it's you. Oh, I know you. That's not surprising to me at all. I love I love playing and trying to understand it because I love animals. So I love being connected to them. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we are. We are. And if we stretch ourselves a little bit more, we may find... Oh my God, it is all instant communication. Yeah. So wow. thank you. Thank well, you. Thanks for all your wisdom and all your hopeful stories, Nancy. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you, Bonnie. This has been so much fun. I love how real you are and how beautiful, authentic, and soul and sweet. Wow. Thank you. Well, it must be true if you said it. So thank That's you. That's right. I will humbly accept that with some gratitude. (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. And I think you nailed it earlier in the show, curiosity. And I really treat myself, my actions and everything with curiosity. Um, The same I try to give my guests so that I understand better. And Mm -hmm. I'm immensely grateful to the podcast to give me this opportunity to speak to people with such beautiful wisdom um, I'd much rather this than reading a book. I read a lot and, and still study independently, but these conversations are just magical for me and I get to consume them all. And it's, it's just wonderful. I understand. I did interviews for seven years on a local TV and I love finding out new stuff, but either side of it, I learn new. Watching you and listening to what you say, 
that's what pulls it out of the other person. The yeah. ahas come from the questions. I like that. Well, I think it's just from practice at this point. Like I don't even, I, I don't consciously do it, but I think from getting to know people and again, the skills that I'm acquiring, it's like just give and take a nice, a nice revolution. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Thank you Bobby. Thank you. If you're not my-